Behind every song is a voice, and every voice is a story. The journeys behind the voices brings life to the music that shapes each of us. Brought to you by Visible Music College and in partnership with the largest online Christian music site new release today, this is Behind the Tunes, and I am your host, Austin Black. Together, we will explore those journeys, the journeys behind the artists that shape the landscape of today's music. Our guest today is Mike Weaver of the band Big Daddy Weave. Our conversation today will explore their journey from the University of Mobile to a record deal in Nashville. Their early days on the road, including quite the embarrassing moments in the ever popular Rapid Fire. This is Behind the Tunes. here today with Mike Weaver of Big Daddy Weave, bigdaddyweave.com. Mike, thanks so much for hanging out today, man. Man, thanks for having me on, Austin. This is this has been an awesome meeting already, man. I feel like I've known you for a long time, even though we just are meeting, you know? Maybe we're kindred spirits. We'll have to see where it goes, right? Maybe we'll discover in this interview we've known it. each other that's all it. along. Now, you're in Nashville Kendrick. now, right? Yes, sir. Been in Nashville for more than 10 years now. All right. What's home for you? So home is just outside of town, east of town, uh, beyond the airport, little town called Mount Juliet. Man, we recently just kind of lost, man, uh, just such a, an amazing public figure. Charlie Daniels oh, yeah. uh, had been kind of the unspoken mayor here, in my opinion, for a long time. And so, man, he just went to be with the Lord. The stories of, you know, him loving God and loving people that came out even, you know, at the funeral were just just incredible, man. And so that's this little town that I get to live in, man. Well, now you guys, as Big Daddy Weave, y'all first formed at the University of Mobile, Alabama. Is that right? That's correct. A little Baptist school in Mobile, Alabama. And All right. Yeah. We, yeah. So how did you guys connect down? Like, how, What was that story like, how you guys just find each other? Well, we were all, we were all there pursuing music. Um, okay. And I remember meeting our sax player joe shirt who uh we were in a music theory class together uh hearing he had you know kind of of his reputation as a player and uh and being like man i've written some songs uh that i think could use a sax on there man because we had just been it was the season of like dave matthews band and Mm -hmm. stuff like that and uh and so we got together to put together a jam he brought along a drummer who was a roommate i brought along a bass player that was my brother and man, the Lord just kind of put it together, and we've been been together ever since, man. That was twenty two years ago, man. Wow! So you meet at University of Mobile just through these kind of happenstance ways of God orchestrating. Obviously, how did you go from University of Mobile to signing with Fervent Records? What was that that journey like there? Well, since the University of Mobile was kind of a um, a ministry oriented school, you know, kind of rooted mm-hmm. in the Southern Baptist Church. Um, there were lots of people, young ministers, kind of taking churches and stuff, and then they would invite us to come and play at their events, whether it's a youth event or like just a like a worship leading kind of event or whatever. We would go play all these different places. Those circles of people would kind of connect to other circles of people, 
And, um, and we at one point got to release an independent record. And uh, back then there was a, a website called grassrootsmusic.com. And they would just kind of uh, share indie bands uh, with the world. And so Susan Riley from Fervent Records kind of watched that website pretty closely. And when our indie record came out there, she took an interest in it. And man, we were so afraid of the music industry, you know, because when we would look at these contracts and stuff, um, and we would hear about them and hear about like nightmares happening to people with contracts or whatever, you know, we just, we were like, man, we, we would love to stay indie. But after we talked to Susan, some other record labels also kind of began to pursue us. And we were, you know, we just couldn't get peace about looking at the contracts, you know? And so we just told everybody no. But when I told Rod and Susan Riley of Fervent Records no, I just felt really, really troubled, man, in my heart. So I knew something was up. We had recently at that time opened for Mercy Me, who was still an indie band at the time as well. And I called Bart because I knew they had just signed with INO Records and was like, Bart, man, why would you sign this contract? And man, he just kind of talked me through the entire thing um, for about an hour on the phone, really gave a character witness also for Rod and Susan Riley. And then it, it just dawned on me, the reason I was so troubled is because the Lord was leading us in this direction. And so we signed with Rod and Susan uh, with Fervent. And man, still to this day, that... Uh, even though it has kind of changed hands since then, we've been with the same label after all these years. I noticed that, and I thought, wow, that's that's really telling for one, and just to have that the whole journey with that same label, and, and maybe some, I know, like you said, turnover and different things, but some sort of continuity. It really speaks well to them. Well, so you and your brother, you know, obviously are musical. What? When did you start playing music? Like, what first got you into music? Yeah, you know, I um. I always loved music, but I never really had taken any lessons or anything. I tried piano lessons at one point. I remember as a, as a young person, just not being interested. I remember though, you know, little keyboards that would come out like um, Casio and different things. They would have these little kind of beat makers on them. And I remember kind of coming up with these songs early on. We went to an event. Uh, I grew up in the Methodist church, but we went to an event down in Destin, Florida, um, they, they, these folks sort of moved in the gifts in a way that I had never seen growing up in like a mainline denomination. Mm. And we were at, we were at the, um, the conference or whatever it was. I remember seeing drums in worship for the first time. I was like, Oh my gosh, this is so awesome. And, um, this guy who was speaking that night ended his message by saying, Hey, if you have a call into the mission field and he goes, and you, and just points directly at me as like an 11 year old or whatever. And he goes, I want you to come down here. And dude, my mind just starts racing because I think that, you know, yeah, I think that like he's going to tell my parents I've been trying to watch HBO through the scrambles on the television, <laughs> like that kind of thing. And like, all, you know, I, all, all of these things, I think I'm, I think I'm a dead man, you know? And I'm like, God, I will go to Africa for you. I will, I'm like making a deal with God if he does not tell my parents, like I've been like doing shady things or whatever, you know? But the guy gets to me after he, during praise over the people called in the mission field, he goes, look, I just want you to know during the praise time, he goes, I saw musical notes written on your face. And he goes, and I was like, oh, at least he's not telling them anything bad here. This is okay. I'm not even weirded out by the musical notes on my face thing. You know what I mean? It's like, um, and he goes, I just want you to know God's calling you to write songs. 
And the songs are going to take you far away from your home, even to a foreign land. He said, now, listen, not everybody's going to like the song. <laughs> and he said, but you, he goes, but you don't even need to give that a second thought. You just need to know it's God has called you to do this and, and it's going to happen or whatever. And I'm like, I didn't even think about it again. All I was just thankful for, I was not busted and That's like right. all this stuff. And I was like, thank God. And so, but sure enough, within that next year, these little songs start showing up and I would just put a beat on the Casio or Yamaha little keyboard that I have. And I would just play chords. I would just figure out triads on the keyboard and just kind of, you know, follow my ear and follow my heart, man, and write these little songs. And that just kind of grew and grew and grew. One time it took a very, a, a very awkward hip hop turn, man. It was like, you know, it was not, it was not good. Never would be mistaken for Lecrae. You know what I'm saying? Would not, would not, would not have any of that. Um, uh, but it, it just kind of happened, and one thing led to another, and I got into all kinds of music, man. I just, you know, I, but um, my parents at home would always, uh, we would be about worship, and we would be about um, the Bible together and as a family, and so I think that just kind of provided a foundation for the songs, and the songs just kind of, as I grew, then the songs grew, you know, and you, you learn how to 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 craft something and you learn how to get better. And I'm still, I mean, we're still learning today, sure, <laughs> 20, right. 22 years later. Yeah. Did you begin to lead worship at, at churches throughout that time? Even as a young kid, when did that kind of develop? You know, you know, I would sing with people at the church, okay. you know, but it was still very limited at church. Um, right out of high school, uh, we, we put little bands together right around then, but I was into like hard rock music and like heavy metal music. Yeah. So we would write heavy, we would write metal songs with these, <laughs> with these Christian <laughs> lyrics though, you know, it's like, it sounds like you came from a Christian house when you, when you like write these songs, you know, for, for better or for worse, you know? And so, um, I went right out of high school. I remember seeing a thing in CCM magazine that said on there, it said, this ain't no choir tour. And it was a it was a thing. It was like a group that would go and play at high school assembly programs. They'd play top forty music, and then they would talk about substance abuse awareness, that kind of stuff. Then they would invite the students back to a time in the evenings when they could play Christian rock music or whatever, and then tell them about Jesus. Mm. And so I auditioned for this group. It was called ARC. It was A R C. The idea is like a power transfer, like ARC welding, and they said. They said, man, you know, this is a great way to find experience and to, to kind of walk out a call. And, man, it was gnarly. It was not pretty. We were driving in a 15-passenger van, you know, in a pulling. There's a rider truck that we had, you know, to drive also. We had to set up the gear every single day. It was, like, full sound and lights multiple times a day. Sometimes we would set up and tear down as much as five times a day. Oh my gosh. And we would, but we would, but we would play and man, we played over 350 times in 10 months. Oh my god! And so that I, when I was like, when we had to raise money to go do it and I was like, if I get through this alive, I'm supposed <laughs> to play music. You know what I mean? I'm, and I still want anything to do with music at all Then I'm supposed to, I'm supposed <laughs> to go and do this, then, you know? And so, but after that year though, which was absolutely amazing and terrible all at the same time, um, my pastor invited me to come back and help put together, you know, leading a contemporary kind of uh, corporate worship for our church. 
And so we started doing that, and he also insisted that I would get involved in school. And that's how the whole thing happened. You know, I wound up at University of Mobile, met the other guys, and we've literally been doing it ever since, you know. But you don't answer all my questions, but you hear me when I speak. You don't keep my heart from breaking, and when it does, you weep with me. You're so close that I can feel you when I've lost the words to pray. And though my eyes have never seen you, I've seen enough to say. I know that you are good. I know that you are kind. I know that you are so much more than what I leave behind. I know that I am I don't understand the sorrow, but you're calm within the storm. Sometimes this weight is overwhelming, but I don't carry it alone. You're still close when I can't feel you. I don't have to be afraid. And though my have never seen you I've seen enough to say I know that you
So you're playing all these shows, you're driving a rider truck in a 15 passenger van, setting up tear down means five times a day. Always laugh because because especially people people see you on the stage, you know, and they see the lights come on and 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 the band playing, but they rarely see the rider truck. You know, is there is there a, is there a road story even either from those days or even Big Daddy Weave days, especially early on, when when you're just kind of scraping it out? Is there a crazy road story that comes to mind? Dude, I mean, there, it, there's all kinds of ones, man. I mean, there, it was awful. Um, as an 18-year-old, and we're living on the road, it's like you're drinking soda every day. You're just trying to stay awake when you're driving at night or whatever. Like, all of these things. It was so not safe, dude. Like, I mean, when I look back at it, I was like, my kids ever asked me to do something like that, and I knew that's what they are getting to, I would be like, no way, no way. Run, run away. Do not do this. And so, but yeah, I remember getting kidney stones on the road, dude. Oh. And, and it was so terrible. But literally, it's kind of like the show must go on. So I would play, <laughs> I mean, highly medicated, dude. I remember taking Demerol to like just, try to deal with the pain. You really can't make the pain go away until the stone is gone, which is really a gross and weird thing. But the thing is that I remember <laughs> being on Demerol and the colors being so wonderful. Like I'm just looking at the high school gymnasium floor and just seeing like, Oh my gosh, dude, you know, this is, un this is unbelievable. But the show had to go on. There was one time we were encouraged and the producers of the group, encouraged us to like because we were wireless to kind of get out and play and i never really sang in arc i just played electric guitar that's really all i wanted to be like the the plus size christian version of eddie van halen you know what i mean and so so we were playing and i remember climbing up these bleachers we were playing a collective soul song from that long ago right so, yeah you know, yeah oh yeah 90s 90s like mid 90s heaven let your light shine down it had this big oh, yeah. cool guitar solo in it that was my moment man my moment so i'm climbing up these bleachers I get to the top of the bleachers and this, this guy, this high school senior wearing his you know letter jacket and everything, like just gives me the bird <laughs> like, right, 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 right in my face. And I was so caught off guard that I stepped backwards and I fell down the bleachers, dude, oh my God. while I was playing guitar. I'm, I am bouncing my way down the stairs of these bleachers, dude. You know, and I'm still playing, dude. I'm still trying to hang in there. Like, I'm on my knees. I'm on my – I'm falling over on my side. I'm like, all these things that happen, dude. You know? And then finally the spotlight catches me as I'm hung up in these, like, this railing of the bleachers. And, this, you know, it's just it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous, humiliating thing, man. You know, another time the singer from the group, we were on the floor of the gymnasium. They had just waxed the floor of the gymnasium. Same moment, same guitar solo. There's a moment where everything drops out and it's just me. The singer decides to do this Elvis Presley slide on the floor and dude, like a supernatural phenomena <laughs> occurred because of the waxing. He just kept coming. Like I'm seeing him over my shoulder. I'm like, he's going to stop way before he gets to me. And he never did. He hits my legs, dude, from behind. My legs fly up, dude. I land on the floor. I was the only one playing. So all of the music and sound stops, dude, in a gymnasium with 900 high school students, I'm hoping somebody will laugh or something. Nobody makes a sound, bro. Until I hear one person whisper, like, you know, I think that fat dude is dead or whatever, you know? And, 
And I'm like, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? So I get this whole Jimi Hendrix thing, and I I kind of, do, you know, the whole, like, tremolo thing where you can kind of make it mm-hmm. sound like a motorcycle start. I'm <laughs> doing this thing right in front of everybody. I get back up, man, and we played the rest of the song, and I told the singer, I was like, dude, I hate your guts. I hope this ends soon. You-, you know? But, man, those are – those are the road. Those are the road. Those are the road stories, though. That's like the real things. Like there's nothing glamorous because then, as soon as that was over, we had to go play three more times <laughs> that day, dude. Oh, and not to get paid. Not to get paid. You know, not to get paid. We had to raise the money to do it. It was mission work, dude. And so, but at the after, yeah. After all of that, though, I still wanted to go. You, you know what I mean? Go. At any point, you're like, listen, we're not doing this song anymore. <laughs> I'm done with this song. <laughs> you, know what the, you know what I was, I was thinking about when you were telling that is somewhere there's a there's a grown man who, who says, I was in the school assembly one time and I gave the guitar player the finger and he fell down the stairs. <laughs> And if for somehow, some reason, somewhere, you realize you're the guy, thank you very much. You know, it's like my, that was beautiful. My yeah. hope is he listens to this some way, somehow, and he contacts, and we reunite you guys years later for not necessarily reenactment, but just whatever. Hey, man, you remember that day when you gave me the bird, dude, and I fell down the stairs? Oh, yeah, that was it. That's all we ever had. <laughs> that was our moment. Our, We're done. That's our it. whole story. That was our moment, dude. We didn't even know. <laughs> well, let me ask you this going to growing up musical all this stuff who are your influences growing up who are you listening to the answer is kind of yes dude it's like okay. every, everything i've everything i've ever listened to really but you know i what i loved what i always loved was this like um artists artists like sting and like um john mayer um bonnie Raitt, mm-hmm. um bruce hornsby like these people who were awesome like musicians like players actually but then also they had this pop sensibility you know so it's like you're liable to hear jazz voicings or whatever in this kind of bluesy backdrop or whatever but they're still going to use that progression and they're still going to give you this hook that that makes you want to keep coming back man and so i love yeah i love i am fully susceptible to the pop hook you know Mm -hmm. But I want something more. I want there to be something more as well. And so for years in Big Daddy Weave, it was, you know, we would love that kind of jam band element, you know, mm-hmm. and having a sax in the band and having the, we would get to just play a little bit. We don't do so much of that anymore, right. you know, um, but it's, but there are moments of it. And, and I love when we get together with buddies and, and still kind of have those times. You know, thinking through that your influences and, and just the background there if you could open up and don't overthink the open up I think like if you could hang with and just enjoy the day and steer the stage with at some point anybody dead or alive who would it be oh wow so, you, so you're not talking about Bon Jovi then <laughs> by saying that by making the dead or alive statement right. that's a, no, no, that's not, a um, no, it's not a reference so, no, no, I'm, just, I'm just kidding I'm just, <laughs> but so, uh, I didn't know if you're leading me into that because I love I love Richie Sambora too I like I love all of them it's like I, I really man I love Keith Urban man I mm. love um uh, man Ed Cash dude mm. I think it's to me so un- under celebrated like he's doing this thing with We the Kingdom now 
which I'm so glad because anytime I'd ever written with Ed Cash, I would not want to, like he would make a demo of the song and he would sing the song that we wrote. And then I would not want to do the song because I wanted him to do the song. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, would, I was like, bro, because I had an indie record from Ed Cash and my favorite part about it was these hooky songs but he would play all these pop kind of parts, but he would do it on an acoustic instrument. Mm. And I just love the fusion of those kind of things. You still hear that on so many things that he's produced. So, I mean, I, lo I love I love people who do that sort of thing. So I love Sting. I love getting to see him through the years. I love that he did this thing with Shaggy or whatever, you know, and they <laughs> it's this fusion, you know. I, I love those things where it's married, this married with that. Um, Man, Bruce Hornsby, man, I love to to hear him play and to hear him take his whole band, like someplace that they've never gone before, like just right there. I love Dave Matthews for that same reason, um, because even in these like the time of quarantine or whatever else, man, to to see him play online, just him and a guitar, mm -hmm. and still just look like he's just loving it, you know. Um, just playing, man. I love I love people who enjoy those kind of things. And so, man, if you could give me a day where I, I don't even think I'd have to be on stage when I just want to be there just, just to there. sit and just kind of bask in it. Bonnie Raitt, if you could have that day. If Bonnie Raitt played a set with Sting, you know what I mean? Yeah. You yeah. hear this awesome slide guitar thing on, you know, on some Sting song or something. That would be awesome. John Mayer to do a track with like Sting together or something you know i love i love those fusions and those moments and i would love to just be there to watch it happen i don't have to play i don't have to play then mm -hmm. i would i would feel like i i shouldn't play then you know i would just i would just i would just enjoy the heck out of it you i'm know? with you it. i'm with you we're here with mike weaver of big daddy weave mike what's your songwriting process like i mean i think the best songs happen to you mm -hmm. you know um, it's not something you're having to try to relate to. It's something that, you know, you're just telling, you're telling it from the depths of you. Is because I do think this, in as much as our relationship with God, deep calls to deep, I think it's also people in that way too. And I think that the place that people connect is the place that we have the common ground. That's our pain, man. It's the stuff that we've been through that hurts. But man, as, as believers though, God doesn't leave us in the hurt. Jesus said, Jesus said, in this life, you'll have trouble. But then he said, don't be afraid because I've overcome the world. Mm -hmm. So even when we share our hurts, we also get to share, you know, about the healer, man. We also get to share about the one who has overcome. You know? Is it hard to be real and honest in your songwriting, even though like, you know, we, we know it's part of our story that God is writing and how he's redeemed it and what he will use it for, for his honor and his glory? Is it still hard to be vulnerable sometimes and just put yourself out there like that in your music? Well, do you, I think I think there's a line that you walk. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. here's the deal: there's a di there's a ditch on either side of the road, dude. Mm -hmm. And there is the ditch of like, let me over spiritualize everything. And I think I fall into that ditch pretty often, you <laughs> yeah. know. Yeah. Um. But but honestly, I don't even sometimes realize that I'm doing it because it's the way that I was kind of raised. I got you. You know to. Um, because it's different when you give a hallelujah that's just coming from, you know, you should do that versus you being in the midst of pain and not being in denial about that pain, but choosing to praise the Lord anyway. Now that is a different thing. 
that is the place we want to walk mm. because you can also reach this place where you're like, Oh, I'm being vulnerable, but you're really just romancing your pain. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Indeed. How much of an offense to God is that when he is the redeemer and the work that he has, has accomplished is already done, but we refuse to simply just let him have the garbage. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, that's a different thing, man. So I, and I wish I could tell you, well, here's this method or whatever. And I really don't have one other than if it just feels real. Yeah. And when I sing it and when I talk about it, is it real? And yes, there's an element of, I'm going to tell on myself, <laughs> which sometimes is very embarrassing. And I've reached points in my life where I'm like, oh my gosh, if I have to say one more thing that's embarrassing about me, I just don't think I can go on, you know? But then there's also the other side of like where, yeah, but that whole thing is just so that we can get to the good part, man, where we can tell people, listen, man, he's not abandoning you in your pain. Man, there is redemption. And here's the deal. Unless you go through death, you don't get resurrection. Mm. You know, you just get not dying. That's right. That's <laughs> you right. know what I mean? That's right. Re- resurrection is overcoming death, right? And so the thing is, though, you can't get there unless you're willing to pass through the valley of the shadow, dude. You know what I mean? Unless yeah. you're willing to face death and experience death in that way then also then we can experience the resurrection. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. That's 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 wisdom right there. He's Mike Weaver of Big Daddy Weave. Mike, we gotta wrap up with you. Do you have time for a quick rapid fire? Dude, let's do it, man. Let's do it. All right. What's your favorite junk food? Oh man, Cheetos. <laughs> favorite color? Um, let's see, blue. Have you ever worn socks with sandals? Yes, I wore Crocs with sandals. Oh no, socks with Crocs. It's even worse, dude. Socks with Crocs is even worse than socks with sandals. We're gonna need to see that on the internet at some point. What's your first car? What was your first car? Dude, first car, first actual car that was mine was a 1984 Honda Prelude. Love it. Climb a mountain or jump out of an airplane? I'm gonna try to avoid both of those. Actually, I'm with you. I am. I would like. I would like. I would take a take an airplane off a mountain. You know what I mean? Like, I'm with you. There you go. Or take an airplane to the top of a mountain. That was like, yeah, that's it. In the movie about your life, the Mike Weaver story, what actor plays you? I think it's probably the cat who played Hurley from the series Lost. <laughs> Favorite cartoon growing up? Favorite cartoon growing up. Well, I'm just going to give you, there, it's like all of them, but the very first one that comes to my mind right now is Thundercat. <laughs> all right. I like all of them too. What's the most useless talent you have? The most useless talent that I have probably is my ping pong skills. You, you know what I mean? Are you really good at it's it? Like, I, I will destroy people at ping pong. But then, I mean, how can you boast that that's ping pong? <laughs> listen, listen, we got to meet up sometime, man. I'm pretty good too. We gotta Dude, figure this my, out. My my huge skill is just my love for returning the ball. That's it. Like I could play for hours and I don't need to win. I don't need to anything. I just want to hit it back to you, dude. You I'm know what I mean? There's you. something so therapeutic in my brain about just sending it back. But then like there have been moments where these like serious athletes have just really wanted to destroy me you know and then they just and i don't do i don't have any fancy serve i don't have anything i just keep sending it back and i'll beat them and they'll get so mad and then i like kind of feel like oh man i'm sort of the man at playing baseball <laughs> listen one day we're gonna line it up we're just gonna hit it back and forth for hours and it never hit the ground 
last we, one. We need to record whatever the next one of these that we record. It needs to be over a game of ping pong. I think while we're playing, we could record this. You got great. Listen, you got a deal. We're, we're gonna line it up. Last one, so I can get you out of here. You can only play one of your songs for the rest of your life. Which one is it? Oh man. <laughs> uh, I don't know what one I would play, but I know the one I get to play is Redeemed. And yeah. honestly, I think God gave me that song so that I have to sing it to remind myself. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I was never impressed with that song. Mm. I'm impressed with what God does with the songs. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll tell you, um, the truth of that song is the basis of Christian life. You know what I mean? Mm. He's Mike Weaver of Big Daddy Weave. Mike, you've been so great. Thank you for your time, and uh, we'll line up that ping pong game down the road. We're going to do it, dude. Useless gifts, absolutely. You got it. Talk to you soon. Thanks, man. See you, buddy. You've been listening to Behind the Tunes with Austin Black, produced by Grayson Rucker. A special thank you to our sponsor, Visible Music College, a music and worship school that trains and disciples students for the music industry and the church. You can learn more about them at visible.edu. And you can reach the show at behindthetunes at gmail.com or find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Be sure to tune in next time as we go Behind the Tunes. <laughs>